be in Ephesians. If you have your Bibles and turn over to there, we are, um, it's a, it's a, I have this slide because Ephesians to me is a cup of cold water. It's just the amazing truth of God for us. And we're entering into a new section of it because we've been through three chapters where Paul just pushes in on us the wonder of what Christ has done for us. And now the rest of the book, the next three chapters will be him helping us see what to do with this amazing salvation that we have in Christ. So we're going to look at that, and we'll do the first today. There's five walks and a stand for the rest of the letter. Very organized. He goes through, these are the things you can walk in. Because we know that Christ loves us and we receive Jesus, what are the things we can do? And they're kind of surprising things. So I'm, I'm, I'm calling tonight, today as we start, I'm calling it the red pill. Now, that may mean something to some of you, but but I was going to do something else, you know, because this... Uh, this week, in fact, two days ago, I, I got a new pair of glasses. I haven't had glasses for like six years that are new, right? So I um, came in and got my new glasses, and I'm wearing them, and oh, wow. Not only did I avoid the little thing, the little line things, what are they, they're bifocals or whatever, I just, praise God, I didn't have to do that this time. But all of a sudden, I was kind of like I couldn't see a thing, and now I'm like, whoa, that's what you look like. And, and the thing is, I was thinking, what a great sermon illustration, because you can kind of say, okay, well, you know, we didn't see very well, and, and, and everything was kind of blurry, and then we got new glasses. You could go that way, right? But it's not enough for what's happened to us. If you've gathered here with me today, and you've come to know who Jesus Christ is, and you've read through last week in Ephesians chapter 3, t- 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 it's, a, it's a bomb going off. So, so it's a little bit more, a little better to me to think of it like, like the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie and you're not a fan of the 80s or 90s or whenever it came out, it, it was, it was a, a, a movie about uh, someone who was alive but living a dream. It wasn't real. And, and finally he has this thing where he's offered, he's in the Matrix, right? So he's offered two pills. One pill, the blue pill, if you take the blue pill, you just keep on living in your illusion. But the red pill, if you take the red pill... You wake up, and you see the truth. Now, I know it's not Christianity, but the image is really interesting, and some of the themes are interesting, and this theme is really amazing because it goes on with you and I have taken the red pill. We we were living in the illusion of our own self-righteousness, of our own earning and trying to do the best we can, just like the world does. I was... Thinking of someone, just I know these people who, who think the very best I can do is be as ethical as I can to leave the small a footprint as I can on earth. And they're living their life for that. And we had this bomb go off. It took the power of the Holy Spirit, right, in Ephesians chapter 3, where the Holy Spirit's power opened our eyes to what? The love of Jesus Christ for us. We didn't become no non-sinners. We didn't somehow become amazing people. We didn't change that way. We were open to the wonder that God in Christ adores us. And he adores us, not just me individually, but us together. And, and, and so this amazing bomb. And now we're going to see, well, what do we do with that? I got it, but the sun came up today, and I've been a Christian for a while. And, and, and what do I, how do I walk this life in light of that amazing bomb? That's what we're doing today. So we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles and want to look, we'll start in verse 1. And it says there, I'm calling it graced amazingly, as we start to go through and think about the impact of our eyes being opened, of our hearts being softened 
to the love of Christ for us. So he starts here in verse 1. I, therefore, hear the, the, the clock ring for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> I, therefore, and he says, therefore, in light of just all of this amazing stuff that has just happened that I've told you about in chapters 1 to 3, but particularly chapter 3, which is this pinnacle of, oh, that you would know the depth and the height and the width to know the love of Christ for you. He says, therefore, me, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk. There's the first walk. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now that's interesting because immediately I go, ooh, walk worthy. Now I don't have to be worthy. Okay, get what he's saying, right? He's saying, because of this amazing truth, therefore, walk in light of, worthily, of the calling to which you've been called. What calling you've been called to? Well, Jesus opened my eyes that he loves me. Walk worthily of that. You, sinner, not not stopping sin, you're still a sinner. It's just now you know you're loved. You know it. Not only you, but other people. You're beloved by Jesus. You're receiving the same sort of wondrous love of the God who suffered and died for you and for them. And so your eyes are open to that. Walk worthy of that, says Paul. What does it do? What does it mean to walk worthy of having received or watch, walking sort of drenched in the wonder of the amazing love of God for you and for the person next to you? Whom you don't really think is a very good person. What do you do with that? What does it look like? This is what we're going to talk about, right? Because he says, with all humility, verse 2, and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, just think about it. So he starts to take these steps that, that are basically graces. They're things that are amazing because if you and I know, if what we really know is that we are unworthy totally, there's nothing good in me where God says, oh, I'm saving that one because he's a gem, but that one over there is not good. I'm throwing that person away. No, instead, God took the least and the little, that's me and you, and gave his love to us. That's so cool. He takes the leper and the blind, takes the dysfunctional, and he says, I love you. And, and so we receive that. And so then that's our basis is his love for us. So therefore, humility is just part of the game, you guys. are not You're not big stuff. We're little stuff, but we're loved by the king. And gentleness, right? We're undeserving. So I'm gentle with everybody. They're loved by the king too. With patience. You're going to need patience. Bearing with one another in love. Yeah, the same thing, right? Love of Christ, and Christ loves you too. And so even though I don't necessarily like your views or who you are, I'm starting to think, well, I, I'm going to respond. And then he gets to where he wants to go. So he says, yeah, these things are true, 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 easily seen as true. And then this is the walk. Walk eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's the biggie. The Spirit has come and said loved to you and 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 to you, to each of us. So the Holy Spirit has come and you know this about the other person. And so there's this thing that happens where now what I want is unity. The unity of the Spirit. 
This essential unity, this amazing connection. It's not about common interests. It's not about common culture. It's not about common politics. It's not about common looks. It's not about common... It's about Jesus chose us both. So so, so get, get real with me. We'll get real at the end a little bit. So rabid hate our president. Rabid love our president. Can those two people be in unity? Yeah. Well, that's impossible in our day. No, it's not. Look at how it works. It's, it's amazing. This is how Paul puts it, okay? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. Do you see what he's doing? There's no politics in that. There's no whether you're wearing a mask or not in that. There's nothing about those things in that. And he says, there's one thing going on. You're all one body. Why am I one body with you? It's not because of your handsomeness. Might be because of mine. (laughs) No, it's because of the love of God for you, right? The love of Jesus Christ for you. And your eyes have been opened that you're loved by the king. And, And then your eyes have been opened that I'm loved by the king too. There's only one body, all together, saved by Jesus. All of us misfits, all receiving Jesus. There's only one spirit, you know, the one that helps us see that Jesus loves us. That's the comforter, the teacher, the paraclete. There's only one hope that Jesus will resurrect us. He will come again, and we will change. There's only one Lord. That's the Lord Jesus. There's one faith, says Paul. That's the only trust that matters. What's the trust? That he's going to make me something. No, the trust is that he died for me. And when he said he forgives me, it's true and it worked. There's one baptism, which is the one way that you are saved, just like me, which is we die to ourselves. We die to the law and we go and we're associated with Jesus. And then he resurrects us from the dead. If it's happening for me, and your trust is in Jesus, it's happening for you too. And I don't know your politics. I don't know your culture. I don't know your struggles. But I know this. So we know we're loved because of Jesus, and because of Jesus, and in Jesus. And what he's done is we're loved by the one God and Father who's really the Father of everything. He made it all. This is amazing. Everything that ever was and ever will be is now on your side because he has set his love on you in Jesus. So what's the response? Walk worthy. What does that mean? Preserve this unity. It's not a unity of what political banner. It's not a how to advance society the best. It's not any of that. It's about preserving the wonder that God saves people who don't seem to deserve it and brings them together. Whoa. And you might say, well, that's no problem, Dax. I live there. That's what I do. I'm really good at that. I'm very accepting. And and, and I, I just... It's kind of what I call, and it's even my, but the good, the good people fallacy. It's like everybody's kind of good. I just look for the good in everybody. And that's not what Paul's talking about. 
Paul's talking about people that you really don't like and really are suspicious, and all of a sudden, they're called. What does called mean? It means their eyes are open to the wonder that Jesus died for them, and they're going to heaven. And you're like, wait a minute, not that guy. I want to show you a little clip on the on the screen, and it's a clip from a, um, a series called The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen it. It takes some liberties with the text and stuff, so I'm not necessarily recommending the whole series. But this clip is about the call of Matthew. Matthew wrote one of the Gospels, right? The Gospel of Matthew. And this is Jesus calling him. And I want you to see, and especially watch, the disciples' response. Okay, so let's dim the lights and let's pull it up. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? Grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. <laughs> you see, though, you see what you see what we're trying to get at. We're trying to get at, and it's illustrated there. And, and you you miss it sometimes when you're in just reading the Bible and you don't think about the interactions that are going on of how the other disciples would have seen as Jesus called these, can I say losers? Tax collector means he was extorting from the Jews, right? His own people. And he was on the side of the Romans. And in amongst the apostles, you've got Simon the Zealot. He's the one fighting the Romans. You have very different political viewpoints and all of them not going away. 
But all of a sudden, in comes Jesus. And the thing about the person, the thing that becomes important is Jesus says, follow me. And the person, their eyes are opened by the Spirit, and they do. And to receive the love of Christ, and all of a sudden, that's the thing. And, and, and that's the amazing thing that you and I, now, if you're here and you put your trust in Jesus, you're part of this. It's amazing. It's We're blown away by the wonder of it. And then our walking becomes preserving this unity around it. That this is the thing and nothing else, right? Not all the other things that would pull us away, like, hey, you're a tax collector. Or, hey, you're a Republican and you're a Democrat. Or you're whatever, you know. You're just not somebody I would normally hang around with. But wait, we're walking in the unity of we both have been awakened. The red pill, if you will, to the love of Christ for us. It's amazing. Just incredible that this is true. And and it remains true even though you remain somebody and I remain somebody that if you poke into our lives enough, you'll find stuff you don't like. Really. Take it from the old fat guy who's standing up here who had a heart attack. I mean, we can find stuff, right, that you haven't done very well. And I can make that the thing to say, I don't really want to be near you. And instead, we have this amazing wonder to preserve the unity of your love by the king. You are, you are, you are. And, and, and we start to have a different feeling about our group because of it. Because the worthy walk, it's not I'm now keeping the rules well or, or I'm striving well for Jesus. It's I'm loved by Jesus. And that's an easy one to answer. Are you loved by Jesus? Yes. See, if I flipped the question, I said, well, are you serving Jesus well? Then i got to pull up a standard for you to see and mark you off and see how you're doing and see what percentage you're And the answer might be no. But instead, what we have is this amazing truth that if you're loved by Jesus, you're in. We have this connection. Okay. But even though that's true, all of what I said is true, yet we have different gifts. So in the midst of this unity that we're trying so hard to preserve and we want to preserve, then in comes these different gifts. Because he says in verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace and gift are two very closely related words and sometimes are even interchangeable. But here comes these grace gifts. And Jesus gives them. So he's saying that Jesus gives gifts to people. Oh, Immediately I say, well, okay, let's forget about unity. What gift do I get? Because we're about us too much, right? But but look how Jesus does it. First, first he wants to make sure you understand that it's Jesus who gives the gifts, and he gives them to people after he rose from the dead. So not pre-incarnate stuff. Therefore it says, and he quotes Psalm 68, Paul does, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So it's saying that after Jesus ascended... Then he gave gifts to people after he went to heaven. This is just establishing that gifts indeed are given. But but I, I want you to think with me for a minute about what these gifts are. 
why we're so excited by them, why even though they're different gifts, they're really good for us. So say, here, I want you to look back with me. Well, look ahead first. Let's read the first next verse because 9 and 10, it's almost like a little aside, and you'll see a little parentheses in your text. It says this, in saying he ascended, what does it mean But he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. What Paul's doing there and why it's in parentheses is he just quoted Psalm 68. Psalm 68 doesn't say, and Jesus rose, no. It's talking about the king of king going back to Zion triumphantly. You might not even think it's about Jesus. It says the king goes back leading captivities in his wake and he goes to Zion. And Paul wants you to make sure you know He's talking about Jesus. Because the implication of the word ascended is that he had descended first. He said, what a picture of Jesus who came down to earth, who lived and died for us, and then rose from the grave. And now triumphant, who does he own? The answer should be everybody. Anybody that's going to be anybody has been saved by Jesus. And so here Jesus, who has everything in his hand now because he's triumphed over the grave, he's done it, he's, he's resurrected, and so he goes to heaven with captivity in his wake. And it says, and he gives gifts to men. I want you to see this, the reason why I'm taking time, because it's kind of interesting. If you actually go back, let me look at it at the end. This is the verse. Therefore, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Jesus gave gifts. If you're a student of the Bible, you might say, wait a minute, Swanson. That's Psalm 68? Yeah, come look at Psalm 68 with me. This is the verse. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train. So that's the same thought. And then this, and receiving gifts among men. Sorry, I'm popping a little, but that's just to keep you awake. So, so this idea, right? This idea that, that the triumphant king receives gifts. But that's not what Ephesians says. Ephesians says he gave gifts. What's going on? Some people say Paul just made a mistake. And maybe he was having a bad day. That's possible, I suppose, but I don't think so. I think the Holy Spirit's guiding him as he's writing. I think he may have been using the, the midrash, the, the Jewish sort of, uh, discussion of what's going on. But the thought, I think, is this. That the king comes and he owns everything. He has received the gifts of men. Why? Because he bought us off in the, and then he gives gifts. Those gifts. It's a little bit like the Levites, you know. You heard of the Levites? The Levites were set aside for God that they might be given to be priests and to serve. So it's like he gives people. This is such good news for you and me. Why? Because we're his people. What does he do, this triumphant Savior who's gone to heaven, and now he's got everything in his hand, and, and say, but I haven't seen him, and it doesn't seem... Yeah, but he gives gifts for us. We need them. What are they? Here's what they are. So we have that. It's Jesus who's giving. And it says, and he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers... Whoa, wait a minute. Those are the gifts? Yeah, those offices, right? Those people who are, who are special people given. Not because they're special. Remember, it's about unity. Our unity is we're all saved by the love of Christ. We're all in the same boat. We're all loved by the King. You can't have anything better. It doesn't matter anything else. If you know the love of Christ, you have the fullness of God. That was last week, remember? But now it says, but to keep you there, 
to help you understand and deepen. He gave Paul, Peter, John. People served God writing down for us exactly what was going on. Those are apostles, right? They, they, they were above and beyond all things. They were eyewitnesses. They were there when Matthew was called. They were there when Jesus healed the sick and, 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 and the leper was not lame anymore and, and the blind man saw and Lazarus was raised from the dead and Jesus, they saw it all and they write it down and say, it's true, it's true, believe it. He adores you. Prophets. When it says that, it's talking about New Testament prophets, right? That's why it says apostles first and then prophets. Because it's not talking about the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. It's talking about New Testament prophets who at this time when there was no Bible, they would stand up and say, I have a word from God for you. And they would speak out the word of God, which would be about his care for his people. Or, or, or you have evangelists who would proclaim the actual gospel, the good news of Jesus. You have shepherds and teachers who would take the truth of Jesus and show how it cares for you. Like a shepherd. The, the, the pastor word there is the only time it's really used as such in the New Testament. To point you to the cross. You see, here's the thing. Not everybody is one of these. But to think that God gives gifts, and I think of the gifts in my life of people I've read who have just touched me and, and, and been used by God to keep me on thinking, you know what? The unity of the cross is all there is. This amazing unity of Christ's love for me. R.C. Sproul. Man. Martin Luther. You think of whoever might have touched you and, and your, there's so many, right? But here, God giving gifts to the church. That's why many people very, very um, cautious to say, well, are you a pastor or something? Are you ordained? Because they want to make sure, have you been gifted? Is this, is this, are you gifted to this kind of service? Not that you're a special person. Not that now you're a better class. But that you're used by God to keep this unity that we so need. The unity. Okay, so, so so there it is. That Help the church continue to know and grow that Jesus loves them. And Jesus gives people with the heart to tell about Jesus. That's a gift for you and me. It's because he loves you. Uh, look what they're doing. So these offices, these particular people are, are, are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's what these gifts from Jesus are for. So, so this is what Paul is for. This is what he's done and what he does in the text, right? He's an apostle. He's helping us have this amazing unity. There's a big argument over these phrases, though. And I'll share it. You can go two ways, and either way is fine. It's not totally clear from the text. In tradition, and if you look at older commentators, they take, there's three phrases here. I don't know if you can see the three phrases. They kind of broke them up differently in, Egypt, in English. They're called participial phrases. That's to equip the saints is a phrase. For the work of ministry is a phrase. For building up the body of Christ is a phrase. And traditionally, it's they're not all the same part of, uh, prepositions there as one's a pros and two ices, but, uh, but that's forget that. The main thing is they all, in tradition, reflect back on the, the word give, the verb. God gave gifts. He gave gifts to equip the saints. He gave gifts for the work of ministry. He gave gifts for the building up of the body. 
So that means that, that, that these amazing people that God gives and, and the apostles or things like that were given for the work of ministry. They did this ministry of helping us stand in the grace of God. In more modern times, we don't like that so much. And, and it's, it's open to interpretation because we think that everybody serves. So we don't want a special class of servants. So we take it more like they're progressive phrases. So the apostles and the, and the prophets are, and, and the pastors and teachers are given to equip the saints. And then the saints do the work of ministry. And the work of ministry builds up the body of Christ. You say, well, why even fight about that? Who cares? It's scary because here's the thing. Our whole work is to keep unity. And if instead you start saying, well, yeah, it's great. We need to keep keep um, unity, but and it's all about Jesus' love for you. But now I wonder, are you doing the work of ministry? All of a sudden in your heart goes, oh, what's the work of ministry? And now you're you're fresh and ready to have somebody come and push you the wrong way. Because the work of ministry... It's fine. You can take it that second way, that you and I, all of us do the work of ministry. If that's true, then the work of ministry is what? Well, it's building up the body. What's building up the body then? That becomes a question you need to answer because it's so important you don't answer it wrongly and go back under the law. So so walk with me. It's what does it mean to grow? What does it mean to build up the body? What is the work of ministry exactly? Because this is what we're doing, saying, I want to preserve unity. The so number one response to the amazing love of Christ, which is beyond all knowledge, is that I have this. So what is that? So he says, building up the body, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's huge. Don't miss this. So the whole idea is that the unity exists And the whole piece we're supposed to walk in is that there's only one Savior and He loves us. And then we're given gifts to help people see it. And we're supposed to build up the body, all of us being built up to what? Unity of faith. That means we all trust Jesus, right? That all the world, as it tries to leech us away and draw us back into the law and draw us back into things that aren't good for us, that are about us and our growth and our things. and our, So no, 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 you, you need to be built up in a certain way. It's for the unity of the faith, for you to stand totally, confidently, and assuredly in the love of Christ for you. It takes work. The, the love of Christ and the knowledge of the Son of God, the things He's done for you, and to mature manhood. This is what maturity is. It's not about being a male. It's about maturity. Maturity is not being able to be moved from this incredible truth, this stature of the fullness of Christ. All Jesus has done for you. We need people to keep pushing us. Why? Because on my own, I say, yeah, Jesus is great. Now, what's the work I'm supposed to do? Where do I toddle off into? Jesus, Jesus, me, 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 me. No, 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 come back. Jesus. That's where you're supposed to live, right there, to the statue of the fullness of Christ. And, and that's where he goes, right there, is that Jesus is everything and not us. So to be built up is to stand confidently on the love of Christ for you. And you need it, and I need it, and we need it. And then God gives us special people, special offices that help us hold on to Christ together. And this is life. This is Christian life. It's not more than this. 
This is the main response. He's talking the very first of the things to walk in now that you know who Christ is, is this unity. This is growing up. And, and then you aren't pushed away, you know, when people come in with different things, because that's what he says in verse 14. So that we may be no longer be children. You know, in a lot of contexts, a child is a really good thing in the Bible. It's simple trust in Jesus. In this context, he's talking about uncertainty. I don't know. Does Jesus really love me? I mean, I, 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 I screamed at my kid last night, or I, I stole money last week, or I cheated on my taxes, or, or, or I just, I'm not the person I should be, you know, and uh, I start to look at myself, and I need to clean it up so that Jesus will love me, and, and so that we may no longer be children like that, tossed to and fro by the ways, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Yeah, there are people that want to use Christianity to get you somewhere. Preferably for their benefit. They want to manipulate and control. Have you agree with them on all sorts of ideas and doctrines that don't have anything to do with Jesus? Going back to the law, right? Increasing your own success. Being a winner in your own right. And we're still here. You and me. Broken. We're not like well put together people. In fact, if it weren't for the unity that comes by, by the you haven't taken the red pill and me haven't taken the red pill, and us saying, wow, Jesus is everything, I, I wouldn't hang out with you and you wouldn't hang out with me. Not your kind of person. Except, you know what? You are. You're amazing. Yeah, somebody said yes, they are. Good. Yes, they are. Why are you amazing? Not because you are, but because you have received the love of Christ for you and you have the only thing that matters. And this thing starts to say, I'm not going to be moved off of that. I'm not going to be pushed away. I'm not. Uh, your sin no longer keeps you from God. His blood is enough for you. This is love that God sent his son to die for you. That this is the speaking the truth in love that we need to do for each other to help us to be stable on the things that matter, which is the unity of the love of Christ for you. Right? Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You see, to grow up in every way, let me finish the sentence there, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I don't believe it's talking about that it grows in love and love and love and love. Like the goal is Jesus saved you and now you go back and you try and love more and more. I think what he's saying is you're growing into the head, which is growing into the love of Christ for you. Christ's love. Why is that important? Because you're growing up into the head. Who's the head? Jesus. What is Jesus doing? He's loving us. And as he loves us, what does the head do? What does your head do besides get a cold and the sniffles? It directs everything. If you're growing into the head, then you're going into your trust, which is the essential thing to bring you into the fullness of God, Ephesians 3 said. So you come into the fullness of God by trusting that Jesus loves you. And then what do you trust beyond just that he loves you? If he loves you, what is he doing? He's using you. You're going to end up where you should be. It's going to be just fine as you grow into the trust, the, the assuredness, the confidence that he loves you. 
And he's God. He's the one who led captivity captive. He's ascended on high. He's over all things. And he's got you. And he's got me. And to grow into the head means to more and more be confident about this. Not just in salvation, like an event when I was a kid, but daily living. Now. We're held together by those who proclaim this message given to us by God that we function well. What is functioning well? Holding on to that truth together. My life looks different when I'm trusting Jesus. So so this is what we've done this morning. This, this is what we're trying to do together. Is we are saying that it's all about the walking in light of the love of Christ for us, that this pinnacle mountain that we came off of in chapter three, the first response is to walk in unity. Unity. This is around, we have unity around the love of Christ for us. It makes a bond. Unity around Jesus, his salvation so great and free. Unity here alone. Not in other things. And so watch out. A couple watch outs just really fast. One, one is to have unity around other things. You know, we're the church of the conservative Christians. We're the church of the motorcycle riders. We're the church of whatever. All those things are fine. You can have commonalities with lots of people. But we have a unity. What's the unity? Christ loves us. That means I know he loves me, but I know he loves you too. In spite of your sin, in the midst of your sin. Okay, so uh, this unity is around the forgiveness of Christ, the love of Christ. So we are a people who speak forgiveness. Because that's the commonality we have. I've received it myself. And then the second thing is, watch out. Unity is not uniformity, right? The idea isn't, oh yes, we're working on unity. That means I'm slowly making you exactly like me. That would be tragic. You don't want to be like me. I had a heart attack a couple weeks ago. You don't want one of those. No, thank you. But but I'm not like you, right? That's okay. I don't want to be like you. You don't want to be like me. We're not like each other in some sort of uniformity way, like we all wear patches or we all wear the right clothes or we all do whatever. No, unity means we have this common piece, the only common piece, the central common piece. I've received the love of Christ. And I, I, I trust you have too. And then watch out for building our own city. You know, this this instead of this unity that we have, which is a dependence on Jesus, which is growing us up into the head where he moves us where he will. So many times we think, well, okay, I have unity in Christ, but I just got to do something. So you pick something that you're going to say is the thing you're supposed to do as a Christian. You have no idea because you're not the head. And yet you think you are. And so, just like the world, we start building up and building things and trying to make things. When when the whole thing is, that's not where our life is. You know, our life is awaiting for the return of Jesus and a trust that he's using us. And let me say one word about the trust that he's using us. Because look another place with me, just for a second. I read this earlier. This is our Bible reading. was Galatians 2.20. Look at this. I have been crucified with Christ. You have too. It is no longer I who live, Paul writes, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, so saying, I got saved, I received this Christ, my eyes were opened to the wonder of Jesus' love, and the life I now live, like today, while I'm waiting for Jesus to come back, I live in the flesh, right? But I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, gave himself for me. This is what he's talking about in Ephesians 2. 
This is what he's talking about in our passage. That he says, yeah, I live now by trust in the love of Christ for me. What does that love mean? It doesn't just mean that he's promised me heaven. It means he's going to use me now. How can I say that? Because that's what the Bible says. Look at John 3, verse 8. And this is the last verse we'll look at. The wind blows where it wishes, John tells Nicodemus. I mean, Jesus tells Nicodemus, right? This is Jesus talking to Nick at night, the Pharisee who's there. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with who? Everyone who is born of the Spirit. What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? It's what we would call born again. What's another word for born again? Christian. Hey, Christian, I don't know where the Holy Spirit's going to take you. Nobody knows. You don't know. I don't know what the Lord's going to have you do or you do or you do or you. But I know this. Jesus has you and he will use you. And it's going to be fantastic. You may not even see it till heaven. But it's fantastic. To see they're all part of the body and the unity I have, the connection I have with you, isn't around a task like, oh, we're all here together to get this done. We're going to build a big church building. No, it's that I'm, I, I, we've received the love of Christ together. And I'm, I get to watch and see how the Lord and the Holy Spirit uses you. Maybe even as you go off. We had last week, Nick, our, our drummer, amazing, wonderful, baptized here in the church, moved to Nashville. Be so cool to see how the Lord uses him. Blown where he will. That's a faraway place. I hope he does okay. But, but even right here, right, this is what we are and this is what we do. These lenses, and that means you and I, we're staying humble, we're being gentle, we're patient, we're long-suffering, because I know that the only truth that I have is that Jesus loves me and I'm not worthy of it. And so I'm eager to preserve that. Blessed by the gifts God has given the church, people who have proclaimed the gospel to us, and see how it works today. And see it practically. We, we need to be done. But it's so important that this is the main walk that we have. We walk preserving this. And so don't let division, different viewpoints, different opinions about interpretations of the Bible, different doctrines, divide you and separate you from this amazing truth that Jesus Christ adores you. This is where we live. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ adores you, but if you don't go for this movement, and if you don't do this thing, and if you don't wear your mask, or if you, or if you wear your mask, or whatever it is, the devil and the accuser in your flesh gets in there and divides you from the unity you have with people who think very differently from you, look very differently from you, smell very differently from you. It's true. You're adored by the king. And then we're prepared for whatever God wants to do with us. He will. This is our unity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this amazing passage.